If you have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 18. Over the next couple of weeks, Adam here and I are going to talk about the life of Moses and a couple of snapshots from there and what he teaches us about walking with one another. That's been our focus over the last few weeks. What does it mean to walk with each other? The promise of the gospel is that God wants to walk with us. But we experience the richness and the fullness and the depth of God when we walk together with each other through life. There is no such thing as an isolated Christian. And so we've been talking about some of the things that happen when we walk with one another. When we walk with one another, an investment is made. Strength is faith. Uh, faith is strengthened. Clarity is found. We draw closer to the other person. Moses and specifically his relationship with his father-in-law, Jethro, teach us that the best way to influence someone is by walking with them in life. So today I want to talk about influence. The truth is all of us influence someone. Maybe we influence someone younger than us. Maybe we influence someone older than us or above us. Maybe we're influencing peers, but all of us are influencing someone. The influence dynamic in this relationship is very important and interesting because Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. So there's an influence kind of looking down the generational line. But Moses is Moses. He's this powerful leader. So there's a sense in which Jethro is influencing someone with more authority over him as well. We're talking about influence. Many today hear the word influence. And they think manipulation. But there's a different kind of influence that we are called to cause in our relationships and in this world. It's an influence that speaks truth. An influence that inspires. An influence that lifts people that pushes them closer towards God. We are people of influence. And what we see happening in this passage, among many other things, is that Jethro is teaching us how we can influence. Jethro and Moses had walked together through many important parts of Moses' journey. They meet when Moses is having an identity crisis in Exodus 3. He's not quite sure who he is or where he belongs. He's just killed an Egyptian, the people who raised him. And he's in hiding and he meets 
Jethro and Jethro offers grace. They walked with grace at a low time in Moses' life. A little bit later, Moses has this experience of a burning bush where God shows up and, and speaks to him and gives him this commission and this calling and, if you will, this mantle to influence. And Jethro's there walking with him, speaking into his future, the defining time in his life. A little bit later, Jethro enters again with this cameo in Moses' life. And he walks with him around a big decision that Moses has got to make. And Jethro says, go in peace. Jethro's relationship with Moses was one of influence. And as we arrive at this story in Exodus 18, we learn about the right way to influence another. Now, there are pictures all over the place about how we can influence poorly about how our influence can be manipulative. Those kind of influences don't work and shouldn't work. This past week, I was at a public meeting, a government meeting where the public was allowed to speak. There was a controversial issue on the table and there were three hours of public comments. And the role of public comments in, in this uh, meeting was for the public to say their piece. And as the public was speaking, it was very clear that they wanted to influence the decision of those making the decisions. Some people did it very well. They spoke with grace. They spoke with love. But some people stepped up to the microphone and used their minutes to show us how not to influence. They were angry. They were selfish. They were convinced that their way was the only way. It was all about my way or the highway. It was all about threats. That's not how we influence people. If we're going to influence people towards the right ends, we have to influence them in the right way. Let me say that again. If we're going to influence people towards the right ends, we have to influence them in the right way. And there's this little vignette in Exodus 18. We see how we can influence someone in the right way. It starts off with Jethro entering the picture. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, was a priest of Midian. He heard about everything that God had done for Moses and for God's people Israel when the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. They'd been on a tough journey, the Israelites. They'd been lost, they'd been hurt, they'd faced danger, they'd faced challenge, they'd faced death. But here they are at a moment of peace before they finally get ready to move into the promised land that they'd been promised. 
Jethro, like a good father-in-law, is watching what is happening. Smart thing to do for a father-in-law. He's got a vested interest. This man is married to his daughter, who he loves. This man is the father of his grandkids. But we read that Jethro, this priest of Midian, who wasn't easily and naturally an ally of Israel, knew everything that was going on. Verse 2 to 4, tell us why. Because he cares about his family. Zipporah was Moses' wife, Jethro's daughter. In the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the battle, Moses had sent his wife back to her family home. Perhaps so that she and the, the kids would be safe. They had two kids, you read in verse 3. Gershom, which means I have been a resident alien in a foreign land. <laughs> it's quite a name. But it was part of Moses' story, right? It was part of his identity. His other son was called Eliza, which means the God of my father was my helper and rescued me from Pharaoh's sword. That's quite a name too. But that was the other half of Moses' story and identity. But then something starts to happen where Jethro's influence starts to take deeper root in Moses' life. Verse 5. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, along with Moses' wife and sons, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped at the mountain of God. Finally, a little bit of peace, a little bit of respite from all the struggle. The, the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, where earlier Moses had walked down with the, the tablets of the Ten Commandments. Jethro, being a good father-in-law, didn't just show up. We read that he sent word to Moses that, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and your two kids. This brought some excitement to Moses. He was looking forward to seeing his wife and his kids and even his in-laws. Verse 7, the day comes when Jethro arrived. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. He bowed down and kissed him. He had this lavish welcome prepared for him because he loved his father-in-law. He was grateful for his father-in-law. The kiss said, I, I love you, but bowing down was a sign of respect. Not just a respect that is given, but a respect that had been earned. He's saying, Jethro, I bow before you because you have been a person of influence in my life. Second part of verse 7. Love this. It's so real. It's so human. They asked each other how they had been. You know, when a family comes to visit, you open the door, how you been? Your spouse gets home from work. Hey, how was your day? 
You call a friend, what's going on? And you want to know because you care. You want to know because you care. They exchanged this conversation that I suspect was so much more than pleasantries. And they went into the tent. They walked into the tent together. Why? So they could catch up. It wasn't like Moses said, oh, let's go on a tour of the troops. Let me take you around and introduce you to the Israelites and to the people. No, no, no. Come into my house, into my tent. And let's catch up. Let me tell you how I've been. Let me hear from you how, how you've been. Verse 8, Moses recounted to his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake. To translate this, they sat down and told stories. And not only did they sit down and tell stories, I imagine that they sat down and listened to stories as well. Why? Because they care. It, it says they talked about all the hardships that confronted them on the way and how the Lord had rescued him. That they weren't just talking niceties and pleasantness pleasantries, they were talking about the tough stuff. The times when life was hard. They were processing the struggles. They were working through the pain. They were working out the grief. The first way that Jethro is influencing Moses is simply by his care. He cares about what's going on in Moses' life. Let me tell you, if you are trying to influence something or somebody, but you don't care about that person, then you are not going to have much influence. Real influence, Jethro teaches us, starts with care. It was John Maxwell who's often quoted with this saying, but apparently the quote didn't start with Maxwell. It started with President Roosevelt, who said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? People not knowing how much you know, that's about influence but they don't want to know how you can influence them until they first know that you can care, right? Jethro teaches us that influence starts by caring. There are a lot of issues in our world that we want to influence. There are a lot of people that we are too quick to judge to write off, to dismiss. But because so often we don't care for those people, we don't really have a voice to influence those people. Does that make sense? If we want to have influence 
on the lives of those around us. If we want to have influence on the lives of those we love and influence on the lives of those we don't think we love, we have to start by caring for them. Does that make sense? Jethro teaches us that if we want to influence, first of all, we have to care about what's going on. He was keeping up with the news. They shared a respect. They went to the tent and they spoke, not just about the the simple, shallow stuff, but the deep stuff, the pain, the hardships, the struggle. If we want to influence, we must first care about what's going on. Caring will get us a long way, but it's not enough. If we want to influence, we must empathize with the highs and with the lows. We must emphasize, sorry, no, wrong word, empathize with the highs and the lows. Verse 9, second scene. As they'd been talking, Jethro rejoiced over all the good things that the Lord had done for Israel when he rescued them from the power of the Egyptians. That word rejoice is the crucial word there. Jethro didn't have too much skin in the game. He was a a Midianite priest. He wasn't an Israelite priest. He cared because his family was involved because of the relationship that he had with with Moses. But as we read that word rejoice, it's almost like he is feeling and sharing in that celebration. If we want to be people of influence, we've got to empathize with people, rejoice in the good things as he had already shared in in the hardships. Blessed be the Lord, Jethro exclaimed. The Lord is the one who has rescued you from the power of Egypt and from the power of Pharaoh. He has rescued the people from under the power of Egypt. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all of the gods because he has done wonders when the Egyptians acted arrogantly against Israel. You see, he's empathizing to the point in these highs and lows that what's happening in Moses and through Moses is actually changing his life. It's a profound statement what he says here. As I've been watching your life, as I've seen God at work in you, I have become convinced, maybe for the first time in my life, that the God you serve is the God of all gods. Jethro is bought in in a big way. When Moses hurts, he hurts. When Moses celebrates, he celebrates. When Moses is having a tough day, he's a little bit down. Because he's empathizing with the highs and lows. We don't necessarily have to agree with all the highs and lows that those that we're trying to influence are going through. We don't have to agree with them, but we can empathize. What's the word I'm trying to say? Empathize with them. Because it's when we empathize 
And it's when we have that heart connection that through that heart connection, transformation and influence flows. How do we influence someone? We care about what's going on. How do we influence someone? We empathize with the the highs and lows on the journey. Scene three. The next day is a work day. This time of care and listening and celebration, the caring and the emphasizing, I can't get it right, can I? Empathizing. Happened on a school night. And the next day they've got to go back to work. Moses could have probably taken family leave. But here's a guy who is super stressed. Because he's the leader of what many believe to be around 2 million people. And he's the one that God has spoken to with a commission to speak to the people. So he's the leader. He's the president. He's the priest. He's the the voice of God in this time. Verse 13. The next day, Moses sat down to judge the people. That doesn't mean he sat down and said, oh, I don't like what you're wearing today. (laughs) Or why why are you wearing your hair like that? He was a judge over the the legal disputes, speaking the the promises and the law of God. Moses sat down to judge the people, and they stood around Moses from morning until evening. That means it was a long day, from sunup to sundown. And and Jethro, the father-in-law, was watching this. And so he says in the second half of verse 14, what on earth are you doing for the people? Why are you sitting as a judge while all the people around you just stand there from morning to evening? Jethro says, as he watches the way that Moses is going about his life and his leadership, what on earth are you doing? The the third thing that I want to highlight here about what influence is, it's not just caring for the person. It's not just empathizing with the highs and the lows. There's a part of influence that has to ask the question of each other, that perhaps no one else can ask. Influence often causes us to ask the question that no one else is asking so that the person that we want to influence can find an answer that no one else is finding. You see, Moses is the priest and is the judge and he's the man. And there's a lot of people under him But because of his position and because of his rank, there's no one who can get in his face and say, hang on a second. Why are you doing that? Except his father-in-law, Jethro. 
Jethro, this influencer, asks a question that no one else can ask of Moses. Why are you doing it this way? Why are you sitting on this, this lofty chair, judging the two million people on your own, burning yourself out, neglecting your family, setting a poor example for your people? Why are you doing that? But Moses has an answer, and it's a pretty good answer. It's a right answer, but it's not a full answer. Verse 15, Moses replied to his father-in-law, I'm doing it because people come to me to inquire of God. Whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me, and, well, I make a decision between one man and another. Each of them, as I teach them according to God's laws. Okay, says Jethro, verse 17. Love this. What you are doing is not good. <laughs> Again, there's no one in the land, there's no one among the people who can ask that question. Just Jethro, because he's cared, because he's empathized. Now he gets to ask the question that no one else can ask. What you are doing is not good. If you keep living this way, you will certainly wear out both yourself and the people who are with you because the task is too heavy for you. He's saying, Moses, you've done it. God's been with you. We were talking just last night about the struggles and the valleys and the peaks and the journey. But God's done it. And I know it's been hard, and I know you've struggled, and I know you wrestle with all kinds of issues of identity and conflict, but you did it. Moses, don't blow it now. Because if you keep doing it this way, not only will you burn out and fizzle out, but you will reap chaos among those that God has brought to this place. History tells us that this question that Jethro asked that no one else was asking was pivotal to the future of this nation that still continues today. If we want to influence people, we must be prepared to ask the question to those we want to influence that no one else is asking. Does that make sense? And this is a great story. You know, so often when we interview uh, influence, we just want to shout and scream and belittle and moan. It doesn't change anything. Jethro's teaching us that influence is about genuinely caring, that it's about empathizing in the highs and lows, that it's about asking the questions that everybody should be asking, but nobody's asking. And then finally, I believe that influence is about setting people up for success. It's about setting people up for success. What you're doing is not good. You wear both yourself and these people out because the task is too heavy. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. 
And this is where Jethro starts to set him up for success. Now listen to me. I will give you some advice. He's not saying you need to do that. He's not saying I command you to do that. He's not making a threat, follow my way or I'm out of here. He's offering some advice. That's really important to see. And then he says after that, and God be with you. He's saying, I got some advice, but I want you to take it to God. And if God affirms it and it seems right between you and God, then follow it. It's just some advice. But why don't you be the one to represent the people before God? and bring their cases to him. But instruct them about all the statutes and laws and teach them the way to live and what they must do. 21, but you should select from all these people, able men, God-fearing, trustworthy, and those who hate dishonest prophets, Place them over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They should judge the people at all times. Then they can bring you every major case. But they can judge every minor case themselves. In this way, they will lighten your load and they will bear it with you. If you do this as God directs, you will be able to endure. And also all these people will be able to go home satisfied. So, so just to recap, he's saying, Moses, here are you. You're leading uh, two million people. Uh, that's an unsustainable model. That's going to burn you out and that's going to mess them up. So here's what we do. Let's put some structure in place. Let's put some organization in place. Let's work out some lower courts and some mid-level courts. And you can sit on the high court. That's fine. That's your God-given responsibility. But let's put a system in place that leads to your success. And not just your success, but to the success of your people so they can live satisfied. It's a brilliant plan. And it worked somewhat. We read a little bit later in, in, in the book of Numbers that Moses was still exhausted a lot because there was a lot of major cases. But what his father-in-law, his influencer had done was set him and set the people, the nation, up for success. When we're influencing, our goal shouldn't be to tear down and to destroy those who oppose us. Our goal should be to win them over so that they can see wisdom, so that they can live satisfied lives before God. You see what? Moses was doing here is as he was teaching, he wanted the Ten Commandments not to be a book on his law library, but he wanted them to be burned and owned and lived in people's hearts. And he couldn't do that on his own. So he set up this strategy for success where everybody won. Somebody's phone is going off. There we go. <laughs> That's twice in two weeks, different people. That's all right. 
But where was I? We're talking about influence. And Jethro influences Moses by being a person who cares about what's going on. He influences Moses by sharing and empathizing with the highs and the lows. He influences by asking the questions that no one else can ask. And setting up the one who he was influencing for success. We are here today because people have influenced us. We follow Jesus because Jesus influences us. If you think about what it means to be a Christian and how Jesus influences us, all these principles come into play, right? He cares. He empathizes. He asks of us things that we don't always like, but we often need to hear. And he positions us for success, for faithfulness, for fullness. When we walk with God and when we walk with another, we have the opportunity to influence. If we want to influence in the right direction, we must influence in the right way. God has put people in your life to walk with so that you can influence them. Care, empathize, ask, and set up.